2: Oh, welcome to Southern Sense Radio. It appears that Annie.
3: Here we Annie... go again. Annie, Annie forgot to <laughs> okay. unmute again. I'm talking in. If people are watching on YouTube and Facebook, I'm waving my hands in the air. And good Lord, she's done it again, the dingbat. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, what a way to start the show. Thanks, Curtis, for stepping in for this <laughs> you're You're listening to Southern Sense here on Block Talk Radio.
2: Today I is Friday. Daily news.
3: <laughs> Good Lord. It's, luckily, it's not Friday the 13th, otherwise, I'd really be screwing up. <laughs> Uh, Got to get out the names though. Um, SHR Media, High Plains uh, Daily News, Connecticut High Five, The Fix FM, up on Stitcher, Spreaker, uh, iTunes, Facebook, YouTube. <laughs> Just go to the name of this idiot <laughs> <laughs> webpage. Southern Sense. Put a hyphen in the middle. Southern Dash Sense dot com. I'm the Dingbat Radio Chick <laughs> 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 with my more intellectual co-host Curtis C S Bennett. Oh boy, Curtis, what a way to go! <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I want to welcome everyone that's up in the chat rooms and also uh, listening in on the uh, studio. <laughs> we've got a great show, a very exciting show. two great guests. Uh, we've got Adam Cochran, who's got a website out there called uh, safekids, uh, com. actually it's safekidsincorporated.com. He's come up with a hero program in which kids can help protect themselves in the case of a school shooting or a school invasion. Uh, It's a marvelous program. We're going to be talking to him about that on the first half. In the second half, you're going to absolutely fall out of your chair laughing. We've got this uh, country musician, Bobby Brown. He's an independent. He doesn't have anyone really, you know, pulling strings. No one's telling him what to write and how to perform it. He does it straight off the hip, and he's got songs like The Man Card, Uh, Red Like Reagan, or Just Saying, some of his major hits up on uh, YouTube, Facebook, and his own website, uh, Bobby Brown Music, and I mean, he does not pull any punches at all. He is what we need more of, good, solid, conservative voices out there doing it tongue-in-cheek and just putting out there the word as it is, so he'll be with us on the second half of the show, so Curtis, we're going to have a lot of fun today.
2: I am looking forward to it. Um I'm especially looking forward to next Tuesday, um for the thriller in um uh, Singapore. <laughs> Between you know, <laughs> oh, Trump yeah. and Little Rocket Man. So and I also like to send out my thoughts and prayers to um the family of Charles Krauthammer. I heard today yeah. that he's only got a few weeks to live, and he was one of my favorite commentators on Fox News, so uh, he will be yeah with. i
3: I may not he well he has been a powerhouse you know, multiple do, doctorates in various different sciences uh he was college professor commentator, radio host t v host uh the man was marvelous at the age of twenty two he was paralyzed from the neck neck down when he jumped into a swimming pool, dived in off the diving board, and he did a very touching and heartbreaking letter that was read on air on Fox News earlier. I may not have always agreed with the man. Sometimes I thought he was too centrist and too uh, Washington-minded, but still he was a voice and a power to be reckoned with. Uh, My prayers go out to him and his family. Uh, May his final time be peaceful, and may he be at peace with God too. Uh, That said, on to also another serious note before I start crying ahead of time, uh, for those that listen to the show know we start each and every show with a dedication to a fallen hero. And today's dedication is going to go out to police officer David Charles Sherrod of the Richardson Police Department in Texas. His end of watch was Wednesday, February 7th of this year. And this is read from a combination of two articles, one from The Maven by Sandy Malone and the other from WFAA Jordan Armstrong. And it starts off with, Richardson Police Officer David Sherrod was fatally shot in the line of duty on Wednesday night, February 7, 2018. Officer Sherrod was the first officer ever killed in the line of duty in the 63-year history of the Richardson Police Department, WFAA reported. It's the hardest day we have ever had, Richardson Police Chief Jimmy Spivey said during a press conference the next day. We're not doing well, but is a police department of professionals. It is an emotionally trying, traumatic day, but they're out there doing the things they do best, serving this community. Officer Sherard was responding to a disturbance call with shots fired around 7 p.m. on February 7th. When officers arrived on the scene, they found a gunshot victim outside the building. Then they went into the building in search of the suspect. Officer Spivey said officers went into the suspect's apartment and immediately encountered gunfire. Officer Sherad was fatally shot as he entered the apartment. A barricade situation ensued, and the suspect was ultimately arrested, Chief Spivey said. Officer Sherrod was transported to the medical center Plano, where he was later pronounced dead, according to the Dallas Morning News. Police identified the suspect as Brandon McCall, a 26-year-old insurance agent with a history of altercations with the police. He was charged with capital murder of a police officer. Officer Sherrod was a 13-year veteran of the police department and a member of the SWAT team. He survived by a wife and two daughters. He exemplified the professionalism, heroism, and strong character inherent in all Richardson police officers. We are grieving and deeply hurt by this loss. We are grateful to the outpouring of support by the public and continue to ask for prayers for Officer Sherrod's family and friends, the Richardson Police posted on their Facebook page. Officer David Sherrod's funeral took place at the Watermark Community Church in Dallas. The service was closed to the public, but the church streamed the service online. Officer Sherrod leaves behind his wife, Nicole, and two daughters, His wife spoke about their marriage and the ups and downs, ending by saying that God helped them get back on track just before her husband was killed. David always loved me unconditionally, even the times when I was unlovable, she said. Richardson Police Chief Jimmy Spivey also spoke at the service, saying he didn't have adequate words for the grief the department felt, but thanked everyone for their support. I want to thank the Richardson community, and I want to thank the community at large. This is how we get through this, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart, he said. A procession followed the funeral service, closing down some roads in North Texas. Law enforcement officers from across Texas attended the service to pay their respects. His wife, Nicole Bradley Sherrod, posted a heartbreaking message on her own Facebook page early Thursday morning. Hours after he was killed. I still can't believe this is real. He seriously was the greatest man in this earth. He loved me more than I ever deserved. And I'm broken. I close my eyes. And all I see is his smiling face. And it's like a movie, just flashes of memories over 20 years. I was blessed to be his first girlfriend, his only true love. And he loved me and our daughters so much. Please pray for us. I'm overwhelmed with the texts and messages and your Facebook comments. He was a very loved and a very loved man by so many, she posted. Our thoughts and prayers are with the family of Richardson Police Officer David Sherrod. Both blood and blue. Godspeed. We will always take the watch from here. Thank you for your service, David Sherrod. Your life mattered. Today's show is dedicated to Officer Sherrod. It is also dedicated to all the brave men and women out there that serve as first responders, be they law enforcement, firefighters, or emergency service, and we're also dedicated to all the brave men and women in our military from the birth of this nation through today and into our future. May God bless each and every one. And we dedicate all of it to them with this song, Amazing Grace. God bless each and every one. guys, I got something special just for my listeners. If you follow me, you know, I usually don't hawk products. I stick to the issues important to you and me, but I think I keep this to myself. You may want to check this out and get in on the ground floor before everyone else jumps on the bandwagon. Now, this is just for you, my listeners. I joined up with Team Earth Order. Earth Order is a company that is faith-based and patriotic. Earth water is an amazing water. It will soon be the rage of the nation and is going worldwide. It has over 70 antioxidants and minerals. It's good, trust me. I already sleep better. I dropped one of my prescriptions and I'm possibly looking to maybe drop another one soon. So ask yourself, do you want to make a few extra bucks on the side while getting healthier? (laughs) Who doesn't? If so, Check out the Earth Water link on my home page at Southern Cents. That's the name of the show. Put a dash in the middle, southern-cents.com. Who doesn't want to make some easy money? You'll earn a 10% commission on what you sell, and they even set up a web page for you to sell from. How easier can that be? Every time a customer returns to your page and buys, boom! You just earned an easy 10% commission. Sign up now. Buy at least a case. And let me know what you think just by going to my webpage. That's the name of the stro, Southern Sense. Put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. They offer four tiers for affiliates, from one case to 16 cases. I bought four cases to start, and boy, am I hooked on the water. Simply go to my webpage. Click on the Earth Water link on the page and join Team Earth Water. Go to Southern Sense and become a member of my site. And you'll also be entered to win the latest book offer if you become a member of my site. That's the name of the show, Southern Sense. Put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. Check it out. I know you'll be pleased. All right, and we're back live. <laughs> oh, man. What a way to start a show today. Anyway, uh, we have great guests lined up. I um, we believe we have our first guest in on the phone. Let's bring along Adam Cochran. Good afternoon, Adam, and how are you today?
4: I'm doing well. How are you?
3: I, I've been having one of those days that nothing is going right. I'm hitting all the wrong keys on the on the computer. I'm forgetting to unmute myself. <laughs> so it's a typical show day. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, you started up an amazing company. And, you know, over the last 20 years, we've seen, I don't know if there's a spike in school uh, shootings and school violence, or it's just that the media is now covering it where they haven't in the past. Uh, but it's all over the news. And, you know, it used to be in the 60s, 70s, you went to school, you didn't have to worry about these things. You went in safe, the doors were open all over the place. But now, school safety and hardening the targets of our schools has become prominent. And you started up a company, as I was starting to say, uh, called Safe Kids Incorporated.
4: Yes. And, you know, we looked at it as, it, and I'll back up just for a moment, and you're 100% right. Um, not only are, is school violence on the rise, uh, we've seen that by some recent FBI reports, but also the coverage of these things are, are uh, because of social media, because everyone is, is really their own individual news reporter, you know, with a phone or, or a, a tablet, Um, And so we looked at it and said, you know, there's got to be a better way uh, to try to prevent these things. And, you know, the fences and the cameras and and all the things that that we've been doing uh, are absolutely part of the key. But what we found, what was not happening anywhere really was how do we engage not only staff and faculty of a school, but how do we also engage the students uh, in some very basic ways that they can help prevent and survive these things?
3: All right. Now, um, is it Are these on the rise because we are coddling our children more? I, I remember growing up in school and you were bullied and, hey, listen, you just dealt with it. Uh, today, everyone goes crying and, and rolls up into a little snowflake and melts to pieces. Is it because our society has changed that we no longer have people that are self-reliant? Is this what your program is now based upon, You know, making people more self-reliant?
4: So that's a portion of it. You know, we look, every generation kind of has their cues on, on what they take is, as, as, as kind of theirs. And, and you hit on a point that, you know, uh, by and large, we have, you know, helicopter parenting, we have um, uh, a number of things that are, are not giving our kids a certain amount of social skills, but we see that all the way to technology where kids are, you know, solely on their phones and they're texting. They can sit right across from each other and they're texting instead of talking. Uh We've lost some of the social skills just by and large through technology. But then when we look at bullying, too, you know, when we were in school, bullying was it would happen on the playground, on the way to school. It was usually primarily physical, um, and, and that was it. And now we look at cyberbullying and these, these posts or pictures, um, these things that are living literally for an eternity online for the whole world to see, as opposed to maybe the, the 15 or 20 students that were around you when someone was picking on you.
3: Well, that's an amazing point. Uh, so now I, I notice that all these school shootings happen in public schools. You don't see them happening in private schools, charter schools. Um, you don't see that happening. So is there a difference in the way in which a public school, school system operates compared to a private school or a charter school?
4: There, there are some some differences in the ways that school operates um, I think by the fact we haven't seen necessarily a, uh, a large scale private or, or charter school event. Uh, I mean, they're still occurring. I mean, violence occurs, you know, unfortunately across this country in, in multiple education settings, but to see the mass casualty incidents like we've seen uh, in Texas and in Florida and, and, across the country, we haven't. And, and I think by and large parts of it come to how schools have been built, how they've been designed the resources that are afforded to some of these schools, you might have a private school that has some great resources, and they have uh, wonderful ways in which they, you know, they monitor who comes into the school, who comes out of the school, uh, behavioral assessment, psychologists, uh, the resources to help some of these kids who are, are quite frankly, in need of help uh, because they're, they're, they have uh, mental health issues or they're troubled or they're having some depression issues, whatever the case may be, versus a public school where you might have one school psychologist that shows up one day a week, a school of a, uh, of a thousand students, and forty of those thousand need some sort of help or assistance or guidance or something. Well, one person one day a week for forty students is is not simply going to cut it. Just the resources sometimes aren't there.
2: Adam.
3: Well, so now how does your how does your program approach this? Uh, say, for example, you do have a, a public school. Uh, let's start off simple with something with uh, kindergarten through third grade. What would you be telling the teachers and the kids?
4: So the the program we have for schools is called the HERO program, and it's an acronym, and it stands for Hide, Escape, Run, and Overcome. And that acronym is set up uh, over a a series of lesson plans, original stories and narratives, as well as activities and professional development for the teachers and the staff on how to start to identify some of the the, the behaviors before violence starts. In addition to should violence occur, we missed a sign or we were unable to do something about it what are the 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 best ways to help survive those those incidents and it's very situational um as the acronym describes if you're out on the play yard you might have to run uh to a place of safety and then hide there um you know it, it, we talked about escaping and overcoming bullying and and some of these other issues so it it is a for lack of better terms, really a life skill that we never learned in school that we're starting to impart on a generation that, as you said earlier, might have missed part of this uh, in either the home or or growing up. Adam. Curtis, you had a question. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. Do you think there's a a better caliber of students that attend private schools versus uh, public schools where you have a lot of of students that come from gang-infested areas and, and dysfunctional families. What's your thoughts on that?
4: You know, I wouldn't say caliber of the students. Uh, I, I think it's the resources provided by the school, and so and we'll take uh, California as an example to that. Uh, in a California public school, the state authorizes right around five thousand dollars per pupil spending. So the state will give the school or school district about five thousand to spend on on each child. Depending where you live and depending on um, the socioeconomic status, that number could go up to 6,700 a student or it could be an excess of 10,000 a student uh, based on uh, donations, fundraisers, the PTA, and various things. So the the caliber of student, I think, is, I mean, every student really has the ability to learn and soar. I think it's to some degree what um, abilities are they given whereas if you go into a private school you might have parents paying upwards of 25 or thirty thousand dollars a year uh, for their student to be there well now that opens up the door to a number of resources that maybe a public school or a charter school may not have so I think it's it's um, you know it's almost like a plan if you have a seed of, of a plan and how well is that seed taken care of Um, is really, I think, the school environment around the students. So some soar, some do fantastic, whereas some I don't think reach their full potential quite simply because they haven't been provided the resources to do so.
3: Well, um, I happen to be involved. I don't have children, unfortunately, but uh, because I'm an activist, I tend to follow what goes on with our school board. Um, I do have a lot of problems because South Carolina has one of the lowest ratings in public education, and our public schools are atrocious, yet we have the charter schools and the private schools that actually spend less money per student. They can actually educate them at a level. cost get a better quality education than the public school system we're heavily invested in the administration and not in the child here we spend approximately fourteen thousand dollars per student in the public schools and our charter schools are doing it for nine thousand and they have the parents involved for the charter schools the parents have to donate 20 hours a month which forces them to become involved in the education and know what that school is doing. And that's why I think that charter schools and private schools, not so much that they have better resources, they have more parents involved. And because the parents are involved, there's less violence and more education going on. I think that's the problem between public and private, which brings us down to we've got to get the federal government out of our school systems and let this come back down to the local level.
4: You know, you make a great point. You look at parent involvement and, you know, there's been a number of studies that talk about, you know, how involved or not, or is a, is a good influence adult in a child's life, you know, parent, guardian, uh, big brother, big sister uh, to help form and, and, and push that child in the right direction. You know, a lot of, and, and you hit it perfectly, you, you know, a lot of private and charter schools require the parents be involved in X amount of hours a year. And that's either coming to, to parent nights with staff and faculty, it's volunteering at a of what's volunteering in the classroom, um, it, you know, it starts with how are we raising our kids by and large. And I think in some areas of the country, the public school system becomes almost the babysitter, to where you know the the parents working maybe two or three jobs to, to try to sustain the family, and you know they the that six hours, eight hours, uh, you know whatever that school day is for that student is a way for the parent to go work and really disengage, and then you know now the students being taught. You know, an after-school program, or sometimes is left up to their own devices, uh, and ultimately join gangs or, or turn to to crime or, or other uh, unhealthy influences because there there isn't that positive influence, there isn't the the connection between the home and the school uh, that you know really needs to be there.
3: Now, tell us how you go and approach a school, and then tailor a program to, the, to that school, what do you look for? What signs? And then how do you just bring them along?
4: So the program is designed as a curriculum. So it would be the same as a school that would purchase uh, a math curriculum for use in the classroom or English or history or, or any of the other um, topics that we see in school. So it's designed to, to integrate into the school day. It's designed and meets um, in certain parts of the country that require a common core standard or some sort of standard of education and meets those standards to where it becomes uh, really another part of their English lesson or their their English uh, language arts lesson uh, in the storyline. And then the lesson plans uh, take the story really out of the book and into real life where they get to practice hiding and they get to practice escaping and get to practice these things. What we've noticed and one of the things that we talk to schools about is there is a lot of anxiety right now uh, in students that are fearful of going to school uh, because of either school violence or a school shooting or during a, a lockdown drill or a code red drill or, or all the different names. There's anxiety during the drill because teachers quite frankly have not been given the tools on how do we in an age appropriate manner talk to our students about this. And what we have found in the program is that it has reduced the anxiety of students and the fear of students pretty dramatically. We've had parents tell us, uh, from their daughter not wanting, their third grade daughter not wanting to go to school because she was so fearful of a school shooting, to now feeling empowered and, and is, is, looks forward to going to school again. Uh, it, the, the entire program is built upon empowerment and empowerment theory in giving these tools not only to the teachers, but to the students. So when we, we tell school districts and, and schools and, and education programs, that if you want to empower your students, if you want to lower some anxiety and some fear, and you want to give some lifelong skills to, to your students and your staff, uh, through a curriculum that is taught in your school by your own staff, um, then you know we might be the program for you. Adam, well, do you, do you
2: think? Do, oh, all right. Do you think that um, we can learn anything from Israel? As a country that's constantly under assault from the countries surrounding it, um, surely their children have to go through. A lot of um, a lot more than our children go through When it comes to um, Personal threats by the outside
4: That is a great question And so Israel and, and we spent quite a bit of time talking with Both people who grew up in Israel And people who have worked for the Israeli uh, Both the, their, their army, their armed forces And their state police Israel, and, and I'm going to go back to the point That you talked about earlier with Parrington This really in Israel comes from the parents. They grow up in a certain environment and the parents teach at home, really some of these skills and some of this ideology and this mindset um, in the home, because uh, you know, walking to and from school or even to and from the store uh, there, you may have instances uh, of violence and, and really being under attack by the, some of the surrounding countries. So it's, it's really a cultural thing over there, but what we have learned through that. Uh, is that the Israelis also have a very different perception of the behavioral cues ahead of time they don 't uh, they are not shy to speak up when they see something that they feel may or may not be suspicious they have no problem pointing out behaviors or pointing out letters or pointing out anything that um, is cause for concern whereas we 've seen over the past few years in America you know the see something say something campaign has really has been prevalent everywhere The problem is Either nobody knows what they're looking for to say something, they don't understand what they're looking for, or they're afraid to say something because they don't want to either be labeled as a certain uh, type of person or being uh, paranoid or, or any number of labels that you might get because you see something that, that you feel is out of the ordinary. Uh, so in talking to a lot of the Israelis, they, you know, their, their really key to success is, is the behaviors, and they're not afraid to say something when they see something that is very out of line or suspicious to them.
3: You know, it, it's funny because the mindset I've seen, I don't know if today I could still be a police officer because we had stop uh, stop, question and frisk. And all you had to do was a reasonable suspicion that was something was wrong. And we took a lot of people off the street. Now they've done away with that so the criminals get a free hand. And now we're doing the same thing in the school districts. If you see something suspicious and not speaking up, you know, we're allowing this environment to grow. And uh, I'm glad there's a program out there like yours. It's getting people to start
4: speaking up. Yeah, one of the you know one of the big things we talk about, and and you know, in some schools you see the difference between tattling and and selling. You know, uh, what's the difference between being a tattletale and then actually telling somebody about something important? And it, it, in our opinion, it's vitally important that schools, uh, school systems, districts. Uh, have some sort of anonymous tip line that allows students uh, to speak up, that allow them that when something's bothering them, they can say, hey, this student uh, said this or posted this or or I saw this happen uh, in a way that there's no repercussion or that there's no potential revenge on them. That's one of the more successful ways we've seen some of the information really boiling up to the surface so law enforcement or, or school administrators can take action is some of these anonymous tip lines.
3: Well, the funny thing is growing up, you know, in school, all the kids knew who the bad ones were. All the kids knew who the strange ones were. And, you know, they're supposed to be the ones that should be able to say, hey, listen, teach. This guy, you know, has been saying that he's going to come to school with a knife or a gun or blah, blah, blah. Instead, you know, they're keeping the mouth shut. And we've got to change that that perspective of our society Uh the kids, you've got a growing movement of anti-guns, but it's not the gun that's doing it. It's the individual behind the gun.
4: Correct. And and we have a, um, a drill and scenario guide that we use, uh, which is really a, a way that after you get done with the lessons and the curriculum and, and everything, to practice kind of what you learned. Um, and so, it, you know, what we see is maybe a, uh, just a normal lockdown drill and really drives it forward. And what we've done is we've curated – uh, over the past 20 years, the four most common ways that violence is is occurring in schools. And in our program, we don't mention weapons specifically, so there's no mention of wep- of guns or, or knives or, or bullets or or any of that. We let the kids name the fear. And in these scenarios, you know, one is where a car drives on to a playground. One is where um, there's a report of some sort of weapon on campus. You know, so we we take it really out of the specifics of simply firearms because if someone wants to hurt somebody. They're going to find a way, whether it's I can't I can't procure a gun, so I'm going to get a knife. Well, I can't get a knife, so I'm going to steal a car. I'm going to grab a baseball bat, you know, whatever that weapon is. So we really drive home the, the, the concept that it doesn't matter what this person wants to hurt you with. It could just be fists. Uh, you know, it, it, what, what should you do to get away from it? And like you said, everyone knows that this this particular student is becoming a problem. How do we deal with this student so that way this person doesn't commit an act of violence?
3: Now, the program is interesting. And how do you tell the kids to overcome? Because I know there's a Baptist church, and I think, oh, God, I'm probably going to get the state wrong. I think it's in Kansas, run by a husband and wife pastor team. And they have something very similar they do in their school where they teach the little ones how to hide and how to be quiet. And then they take select ones of the older kids and teach them martial arts, so that if they're in a situation where they cannot run, that they need to overcome how to fight back using skills and mass attack, uh, where there's the fewest amount of casualties possible. Do you do something like that, or do you take a different approach?
4: We take a little bit of a different approach. So the way that we look at it is, you know, we're we're more powerful in a team, and so if you know, and in, the, in all of the books we call our, our, our bad person, so to speak, the invader. And so the invader is really the character that we use. So if you find an invader that comes into your classroom and you're at that first classroom, we talk about doing anything and everything it takes to create an environment of resistance, of chaos, and of disruption. So this is everything from throwing stuff to yelling and screaming to running out another door to ducking uh, to running. And so we, we want to create, you know, the, the psychosis of the majority of, of mass uh, mass shooters, active shooters, is control. They're going to come into a place and wield control by their firearm or their knife or, or whatever they brought with them. Um, and, you know, in years past, it's been a very submissive uh, group of students, so you can really hurt people at will. We're looking to flip that on its head. And so now when one person walks into a classroom of 25 students and a teacher, you're now getting 25 items thrown at you you get 25 kids screaming you get 25 kids running and going in different directions you create this this chaos and disruption so the plan that you had walking in is is not going to play out Um, we don't teach martial arts Uh, we don't teach anywhere that you would physically run up and maybe hit or strike somebody it's very much dissuasion throwing screaming running yelling everything that based upon your ability and skill set that you can do
3: because I noticed in, in one of going over your webpage where you talk about the R in Hero on running, and you have the students and teachers are taught to run away from a violent. Um, you, you don't recommend the teachers shield the children, or what exactly are you saying on that one? That one had me a little
4: confused. So, the run portion of it is imagine yourself, let's say, on the playground, and you have, let's say, 100 students at recess on the playground. And, you know, this person uh, who comes on, looks to hurt them, whether they drive a vehicle on or, you know, they bring a firearm. This is running away from that danger and running in a method that is chaotic. So we call it a a zigzaggy way um, where you're not necessarily running in a straight line. You're running and and screaming and yelling in a zigzag pattern to, again, create chaos. So if I'm going to take a firearm, let's say, and try to harm people, I'm going to need to have some sort of aim. I'm going to have to... to, uh, find who I want to try to shoot at. And if you have a bunch of people running chaotically in in patterns in which that are not, you can't easily follow, or what we'd call in law enforcement, lead the target, um, it creates a much better uh, percentage that this person, if they do want to try to hurt you by firearm, they're not going to be able to because it's going to be much harder for them to hit um, what they're shooting at if you have a bunch of people running away. When we talk about teachers shielding, and, and I go back to um, in between the, the Parkland Florida, excuse me, the, uh, the Florida shooting and the most recent middle school shooting, I believe in Indianapolis, where you had a football coach who, who attempted to shield his students from, uh, from the attacker. While that teacher had the mindset of, you know what, I might not survive by what my kids do, as soon as he was shot in front of his students and he went down, the students are still ultimately behind him. There's still students there that need to deal with this threat. Whereas in Indianapolis, same type of um, mindset by this teacher that, you know, I might not survive, but I sure the heck want my kids to. And he actually charged uh, this particular attacker, and while he was shot three times, ultimately survived and and ended this uh, potential mass shooting event. So we talk about doing something beyond simply shielding. If we need to run and get out of the area, great. If we need to overcome while the students are running, so the teachers may be overcoming while the students are running and hiding, um, it's a very fluid and very dynamic um, set of tools because all of these situations are fluid and dynamic.
3: Mm. Now, do you ever recommend uh, partnering with other organizations, such as there's one company out in the Midwest that makes these whiteboards, but they're actually bulletproof and they can be wheeled to block off corridors. They can be wheeled to block off doors and windows, Um Something like that. Or there's another system, another company, I believe down in Florida, that has it looks like the water sprinkler system that when you have someone monitoring all entrances and exits, they see something occur. Uh, They can then activate this and it disperses a uh, not a toxin, but a chemical that will cause burning on the skin and stinging of the eyes and prevent the shooter from going forward. And they can then isolate that shooter in whatever specific corridor or area of the school. Do you recommend partnering with companies that do this, or are you just recommending only your program and not anything else to harden the target?
4: So our program is just one piece of the, of the bigger puzzle. And so we'll take the, the whiteboard, for example. And I know there's companies that make both backpacks and safe rooms. There's a number of companies that are coming out with various products. And so just as a whiteboard for an example, if under our program, you know, hide is the most uh, appropriate measure, which is, is similar to a lockdown, one of the things we teach is to barricade the door um, to prevent someone from coming in. So you're not necessarily barricading the door to prevent it from opening. As many doors will open outwards. You're building a big tangle of desks and chairs and, and other items to slow the process of someone trying to come in, assuming they defeat the door or the door was unable to be locked. So in that particular situation, you know, if you had that, um, that particular whiteboard, I would propose wheeling it either in front of the door or wheeling it across if you have windows. So that way it's another layer of protection. If, if we can't block or sustain the windows, if we have this bullet-resistant whiteboard, and if someone wants to try to shoot through the glass, and that whiteboard is another layer of protection that works into the entire system. Um, so uh, everything from the locks, the different bulletproof items, um, a lot of this works as another tool in concert to the overall idea of, of survivability. Um, when you talk about uh, projectiles and gas and whether it's pepper spray or tear gas um, or, or any other um, chemical agent that's causing irritant, um, I always say you need to be real careful because at some point, um, students are and the law enforcement are going to have to be in that same area with the same irritant. So if, if this irritant goes off, and let's say we miss potentially this, the, the active shooter, uh, and he, he gets into one of the classrooms, and one of the things we talked about is escape. If if this person's getting making access into a room, it's now safer to leave the room than to be in the room. If you're going to have students escape, now potentially they're going to run right into the same irritant that was meant for our, our attacker. Uh, so we're always careful when it comes to prolonged chemical agents. Um, sometimes they can make sense, depending on how schools are designed um, and the area in which they're potentially used. Um, but everything is a tool that builds upon the total process and the total ability to help have a safe school.
3: Yeah. You know, I, when you were talking about running into the urgent, you were making me flashback to a time where a fellow officer ended up spraying his mace in front of a fan and maced himself. So, yeah, <laughs> I can understand that. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Yeah, but you also uh, have it where you incorporate the parents. You send guides home to teach parents. So your, your company then I gather is trying to get the parents involved in this and have the kids
4: do it at home as well as in school. Correct. So when the, at the end of every lesson plan, there's two components. There's the first component, which is the journaling component. And we want the students to journal about uh, what they felt. Are there any social or emotional triggers that are occurring through the program? Um, in a lot of these journals, we've discovered that the bullying will come up where we didn't know that bullying was <laughs> occurring before. Uh, we have we found instances of childhood abuse at home. Uh, once these kids begin to feel empowered, it's a very different sense of when they're, they're starting to be okay to talk about things that have happened to them. And so that way we can try to get these kids some help and stop whatever this aggressive uh, behavior is towards them. The second part of that is we tell the kids to go home and to share with their parents certain things so we'll tell them to find their hiding spots in the places they normally go we'll tell them to you know, where would you run to uh if you were in the park and something happened and so the kids are already have a prompt um that they're given to go home with to, to speak with the parents there's a parent companion guide that goes along with that that allows the parents to ask questions um as a teach back from the students so that way they can ask after their their or daughter let's say they had the escape lesson plan they can let their son or daughter talk to them about that, how do they feel about it, and then show them some of the things that they learn. So we definitely want to engage the parents at home and hopefully strengthen, as we talked about earlier, that bond between the parent involvement with their students' lives in a school.
3: Well, it's interesting that you said you found that there was instances of abuse at home. Um, when you when these kids do the lessons plan, is it your staff that reviews the journals and the results of the lessons, or is it the school itself that's doing it? That you can end up finding these instances.
4: So the school, the, the program is completely self contained within the school. So, we design the program so where there's no Safe Kids staff anywhere on a campus or anywhere else because. Quite frankly, if an event was to happen, it's going to be that school staff, those teachers, those students that are, will be in the event until law enforcement ultimately arrives. And so the journals are designed to be read by the teachers first and foremost to look for mandated reporting issues, to look for instances of abuse, to look for instances of, of um, bullying, of maybe potential uh, adolescent suicide as it gets a little bit older, to try to read into some of the, the cues uh, based on what they're learning in the lessons and what the kids feel comfortable and starting to share, maybe not verbally, but maybe in writing.
3: It's amazing. But do you ever do, like, a sample testing of the school after you, they have run the program?
4: Correct. So we uh, there's a survey that goes along with the program, and then we also come back. and We've done uh, both white papers, and we're starting to commission now academic studies, uh, of behavioral changes from the program. So the, the initial, all the initial findings were some of the things we talked about, lowered anxiety, lowered stress, and increased uh, ability or, or um, uh, uh, thought that, that teachers or staff could handle some sort of violent situation uh, above what they could before. So there's been a number of behavioral changes that we've studied. We've had school shootings, unfortunately, at some of our schools. We've been able to to, to go back and study what worked, what didn't, What were the changes of behavior? What were the things that changed from the school culture before to school culture after? And those studies continue on as as the program continues to grow. We continue to to gather information, gather research to to, to continually fine-tune the curriculum, fine-tune the program, and then also show over the years of doing a program like this what the behavioral changes can be.
3: I'm just curious, have you ever measured the success of your program against the actual academic levels, if they increase or not?
4: That's what we're starting to do now. Our initial uh, research was um, very line level um, during the initial pilots of the program as well as the initial rollouts of the program. Um, And now what we're starting to do is to gather the academic data that has already been studied, uh, find the, the correct measures, and then to begin to measure our program against those to have some some concrete anecdotal uh, numbers to compare to.
2: Adam, Chris, go ahead. has your program ever been um, tested in real time? I mean, has there ever been an actual incident where your program was implemented? And if it was, um, how often do y'all go about tweaking your program? Because they always say, you know, you build a better sword your enemy will build a better shield.
4: Exactly. So we did in March of this year have a school shooting at one of our sites. Um, and that, that particular case study was very interesting insofar as there were 700 students present at lunch, so they were all out uh, at recess. K-3rd through third grade was playing. They had already completed lunch. Fourth and fifth grade were, were eating lunch. Um, all the K-3 students had completed the lessons and had completed the program. The 4th and 5th graders had not. Uh, there was a gang shooting that occurred adjacent to the school that spilled into the school during this time uh, with, with unfortunately, a, a couple people injured by gunfire. Um, as soon as the teachers and staff realized that this now gun violence and gang violence was spilling onto the, the school grounds, they, they, they automatically... Um, and rapidly issued uh, the lockdown or kind of the hide order. Um, And in talking and doing the study afterwards, you had uh, about 500 plus K through third graders that went from the recess area into classrooms, locked down and barricaded in in under a minute. Uh, You had students that were paired. You had a kindergarten class that actually uh, partly fell asleep (laughs) during the lockdown uh, due to their lowered anxiety. We have uh, we've had handicap and, and uh, um, students with special needs in these that also did very well. Comparative to the students who did not have it, they the staff reported they had a hard time getting the students into the cafeteria or into the multipurpose room. They were not quiet. Uh, some had anxiety. Some were not taking it seriously. Uh, there was a, 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 a the, as according to the principal, a night and day difference in the behaviors of the kids who had the program and how well they handled it versus the kids who did not. Um, and so luckily in this particular instance, uh, really due to the rapid response of the, the, the K through third graders being out and closest to the shooting, um, no, none of the students or none of the faculty were hurt in this particular instance. Uh, but it really showcased the difference between kids who had had it, understood it, and even talking to the kids afterwards what their mindset was versus the kids who did not.
3: Wow, that's, that is absolutely amazing. You know, we need more people like you out there. You know, because you have a law enforcement background. So, are you approaching this looking at law enforcement, or are you approaching it in a different manner? Because I, mean, I remember you know, walking to schools when you got called over there. You you look at it as just law, uh, but I th- I think you have also do it in a psychological area too, right?
4: Correct. So the the I mean, law enforcement is obviously a vital key to this to this program, and when we designed it, we really designed it with the, the first responders in mind showing up. Uh, to you, one of the first responders to, to really have, I mean, it's gonna be chaotic no matter what, but if you, as a, as a first two or three officers who show up, know that the kids are protected, they know what they're doing, um, they've already found places to be, things to do, um, and so it takes one more worry out of the officer's mind to go try to find this person causing harm. That was one of our biggest key designing factors to this thing, um, is we really wanted that partnership Uh, And we look at the education side of it, we look at the administrators, so it's really been built and tailored for teachers and the administrators. So the program was built around law enforcement, educators, school psychologists, human performance professionals, uh, and military experts. And the way that your body responds to stress, fear, and trauma, the things your body will do naturally, and then designing a program that was age-appropriate and friendly for the teachers and the educational space to, to convey that information, Yet at the same time, having the ability for law enforcement and other first responders to make their job a little bit easier uh, upon arrival at scene. And then obviously the continuing um, survivability after the fact, The, uh, the, the, the days and the weeks that lead afterwards to continue working back towards recovery.
3: Now, do you bring law enforcement into the school or do you approach law enforcement when you're going to a school? How do you you incorporate the two together?
4: It's usually the response of the school. So some schools have a school resource officer that they rely heavily on, um, and we've talked to a number of school resource officers about the program and how it's been designed. Some schools don't have that resource. We really stand as one of their few resources um, towards something like this because they might have a, a deputy sheriff assigned to their area And you have one deputy for several hundred miles, and maybe you never see that deputy unless you call them. And it might take them an hour to get to your campus. Um, So it's really been, uh, by area and by region, very different. Um, The majority of schools that that are very interested or that that do use the program, uh, they actually have their law enforcement officers watch the program, go through it, look at it, so they have an understanding of what's going on.
3: Nice. You know, I noticed one of the things that you do is that you have a hero report you issue every month where you look at what has occurred around and you break it down, and then you put down key learning points. I think that is absolutely fantastic.
4: Yes, and that's something that we really wanted. You know, there's so much noise uh, in the news media today, and there's so much uh, grabbing for your attention. And you read some of these articles, and as you know, the average parent or even average educator, you look at these and you go, my goodness, so what what can I do? What does this mean for me? What does this mean for my student? What does it mean for my kids? Um, And we really wanted a a quick and simple, you know, three main headliners for the month. And then let's break it down real simply. What does this mean for teachers and parents uh, when it comes to the ability to to try to err uh, on the side of caution? How do we talk to our kids and and what is important for me? And so that hero report is really designed to take some of the headliners give you a few key takeaways, what's important, what's not, and then either make some changes or or start the discussion.
3: Yeah, because the latest one that you had uh, broke down the Santa Fe school shooting, and this is something that I was talking about. You know, there was signs out there that there was something wrong with this kid, but yet no one said anything.
4: Correct. You know, we, we talk about those behaviors. So, you know, when everyone knew that, you know, you have the student that has problems, we need to address that. And even in one of the most recent shootings where the students tried to escape out the back door, but the back door was locked, well, you know, uh, you should probably see what doors are locked in your classrooms and which ones aren't. And in our lesson plans, in the escape lesson plan, we actually have the students and the teachers look at the different ways that you may or may not be able to get out of your classroom. So had a school like that had, you know, had done the escape lesson plan, they would have known that back door was locked. And either, number one, take measures to make sure it's no longer locked, um, so that way you can, you know, get out of the classroom. Or if for some reason you can't unlock that door, now we know that's no longer an option, so we need to think about a different plan should something happen in this classroom. So, you know, we want those very key, what we believe key learning point takeaways out there, easy to read, really simple, so that way if you're a teacher, an educator, or a parent, you can make changes and start that discussion, you know, the same day.
3: Yeah, I find it very curious though, because you said the majority of the shootings occur uh, prior to the beginning of the first period. That is very curious, because you know if you look at it from a psychological point of view, here the kid has gone home, he's brooded or she has brooded overnight. They've been building the courage up to do it, and so that they walk in before the period, the school starts, they've got their their courage up. Had they hung out in the school longer during the day, they may have had second thoughts. To do. Is this is this what you're finding? Is this why this is occurring?
4: Without a uh, without a study behind it uh, and just are kind of shooting from the hip, uh, so to speak, uh, absolutely. You know, you look at the human psyche and you know the amount of stress that happens to people who find themselves in violent situations, also occurs to the person coming in to commit that violence. So there's going to be a level of stress and anxiety, panic. Um, and two, the longer you're there and the longer you're exhibiting these signs of nervous, nervousness and fear, you might have somebody who approaches you or another students who begin to say something about it. So now, you know, your plan could potentially be thwarted even before it began. Um, so we're seeing an increase and presumably because of the fact that, you know, they've got their courage up, uh, they get to the school, they're nervous, they don't want to wait any longer. Um, and also the beginning of the school day is one of the most chaotic, you know, everyone's getting dropped off trying to get the class getting picked up. Um, and so it's a very chaotic scene to begin with. Um, so you add even more chaos into that. And it tends to, to lead a little bit into the favor of those looking to commit violence. Whereas if you're in school, and everyone's in a classroom, the first classroom that you, you come to, after especially if it's a firearm after the shooting starts, and everyone hears it, you're quite frankly can be limited just to those few people in that classroom.
3: I just want to make a note that there. Are, I see people up in the studio calling. If you're here to ask a question of our guest, who is Adam Cochran of Safe Kids Incorporated, please press one on your keypad. Otherwise, I'll assume that you're just listening. Um, man, this is absolutely fascinating stuff, you know, because uh, we did do a couple of shows with people that have the uh, materials I was talking about, the sprinkler system, because the spray that comes out can be simply rinsed off with water. It's non-toxic. So even if you had an in- innocent victim, uh in the area that's being sprayed, they're not going to be harmed, and you're basically not physically harming the uh, the attacker. You're just disabling them, and adding what you're doing into that would make it so much better. You know, we have to approach this as a multi pronged way. There's no one answer in how to make these schools safe, and what you're doing here, I think, is absolutely marvelous.
4: Thank you, and I couldn't have said it better. You know, there, there's not one surefire solution to this. You know, it's everything from access control and the ID cards and the cameras and, and you know, sprinkler systems and chalkboards and, and whatever that, that school um, whatever that school believes uh, needs to occur. Um, but it's all layers. It's all those layers of protection. This just adds, you know, when we talk about what has never been done before, a program like this hasn't really been done before, especially all the way down to kindergarten. So some of the greatest returns on the investments when we look at, at school safety and, and where some of the money is being spent, uh, quite frankly, can be in a curriculum or in a way to teach our kids what's going on. So they work in concert with all the other things we've purchased to try to keep our kids safe.
3: Yeah, because I noticed that you also say under your profession, professional development area uh, that it's a competency-based e-learning platform, and it's credited issued by Brand- Brandman
4: University.
3: Uh, what is a PDU credit?
4: So a PDU credits, is, it stands for professional development unit, sometimes called continuing education unit. And so teachers, especially in the public school system, uh, the way that they're ranked as teachers, they move up the, the, both the pay scale and the seniority scale, is their continuing education credits for their credential and as they continue to take more training. So attending a teacher training conference, taking a, an e-course online, uh, universities can offer these units, uh, and so as teachers collect X amount of units, they can move up, they can get a pay raise, they can, they can move into different teaching positions. And so our program is um, uh, we've partnered with Bradman University, uh, which is located uh, in Southern California, uh, to issue these credits. So our our comprehensive e-learning platform lives on a program called Sagins, uh which is uh, one of the cutting-edge, um, really unique technology ways that people are learning online online. Um, So the program can be used anywhere. As long as you have a computer and an Internet connection, (laughs) you can connect. Uh, And so the PDU or the the professional development for the teachers is very interactive. Uh, Post that, as they use the program, with so many hours of engagement with our program, the teacher can file for their continuing education unit. And it's one of the few programs that allows a unit to be earned while the teacher is using curriculum that they already would have to use in the classroom.
3: Well, Adam, it is a fascinating program, and I want to thank you for putting it together. Uh, it is it is amazing. I tell people to check out Safe Kids Incorporated, and there's a link on the show page so where people listen to the podcast later on. They can just click on where it says Safe Kids, and they can go directly to your website and learn more about it. I, for one, am going to be sending this over to our school district. Uh, we just got a new interim school superintendent. Yay! Uh, and I'm going to get a hold of him and say, hey, please, look at this, because it's important that we make sure our kids are safe. God bless you, Adam, for all the hard work you do.
4: Great. Thank you so much. Take care.
3: All right. Adam Cochran, check out Safe Kids Incorporated. We're going to take just a little break, see if I can make a little money here. We'll be back in just two minutes. Listen, guys, i got something special just for my listeners. If you follow me, you know, I usually don't hawk products. I stick to the issues important to you and me, but I think I can't keep this to myself. You may want to check this out and get in on the ground floor before everyone else jumps on the bandwagon. Now, this is just for you, my listeners. I joined up with Team Earth Water. Earth Water is a company that is faith-based and patriotic. Earth Water is an amazing water. It will soon be the rage of the nation and is going worldwide. It has over 70 antioxidants in minerals. It's good, trust me. I already sleep better. I dropped one of my prescriptions, and I'm possibly looking to maybe drop another one soon. So ask yourself, do you want to make a few extra bucks on the side while getting healthier? Who doesn't? If so, check out the Earth Water link on my homepage at Southern Sense. That's the name of the show. Put a dash in the middle hyphensense.com. Who doesn't want to make some easy money? You'll earn a 10% commission on what you sell and they even set up a web page for you to sell from. How easier can that be? Every time a customer returns to your page and buys boom! you just earned an easy 10% commission. Sign up now, buy at least a case and let me know what you think just by going to my webpage. That's the name of the strobe, Southern Cents. Put a dash in the middle, southern-cents.com. They offer four tiers for affiliates, from one case to 16 cases. I bought four cases to start, and boy, am I hooked on the water. Simply go to my webpage, click on the Earth Water link on the page, and join Team Earth Water. Go to Southern Sense and become a member of my site, and you'll also be entered to win the latest book offer if you become a member of my site. That's the name of the show, Southern Sense. Put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. Check it out. I know you'll be pleased. All right, and we're back, and we get our next guest up in the bullpen, and I know we're going to have a blast with this guy. I have not spoken to him yet, have not met him yet, but I watched his videos, and oh, good Lord, if anyone fits the character of this show, th- it is this man. So, Curtis, shall I bring him on, or should I just keep on leaving him on hold?
2: <laughs> Let's bring him on. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right. I welcome to the show, Buddy Brown. Good afternoon, Buddy. How are you today?
5: Hey, I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, Annie?
3: Oh, man, I was watching your stuff, and actually, uh, My Dish Network gets YouTube up on the TV, like a regular uh, channel, and I found your YouTube channel, and my husband and I were sitting back watching your videos, and we were just, man, you are nuts.
5: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I get it, honestly. That's that's for sure. It's uh, it's kind of a family tradition over here at my house.
3: Well, you've got an interesting background, because you are a good old Southern boy, and even though the name of the show is Southern Sense, you can tell I'm originally from New York, but I got down here as soon as I could, uh, yeah. <laughs> but
1: <laughs> okay.
3: your your degree was in psychology, and yet you become this country star.
5: It was, uh, yeah, I graduated Mississippi State 2005, We uh, you know, with a... BS degree and a BA on the promise I wouldn't stay there and try for a masters but uh it was it was interesting uh it's really helped me a ton and the music business with psychology and you yeah, know they teach you all about reading people and and situations and so uh, I I owe a lot to that but music was always um it was always my heart my 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 passion and love so just kind of fell into it and uh Lord's been good and it's just been uh amazing how much has taken off in the past couple of years.
3: Well, you know, in order to introduce my listeners to you, I'm going to play one of your songs. And the one that I've chosen to play to start up with is I Call BS on that. So okay. I'm going to play right. first, and then we're going to talk about it. All right, here we go. If I can hit the right keys and get the right thing to do. Oh, come on, computer. Here we go. Mm-hmm.
0: Do we need refugees? They say, come on in. You can bring your culture. Don't pledge allegiance to our flag. Just be a vulture. And don't speak our language. Just hold your hand out. Man, I'm starting to think this whole thing was planned out. I call BS on that. I think our country's intact. Can't do it all. Been trying to tell you now, it might be too late. And politicians run the school, throw them in and bandaloo. If you don't agree, they tell you too bad. Well, all BS on that. If BS on that, you know the entitle with that gun thing. If you don't work, then you just don't eat. Cause it's better to be burning hot or freezing as cold than to ever be caught dead
1: in the middle of a road.
0: And I call BS on that. I think our country's been had. And Charlie Daniel can't Exits from the school photo in If you don't agree, they tell you feel bad. My progress in your neighborhood, but just hold fast.
3: I gotta tell you buddy, I've got getting for USA in the chat room dancing.
5: <laughs> I love it, I love it. Hey, you left
3: out Chuck Norris.
5: I love Chuck Norris, yeah, I grew up on Walker Texas Ranger and all that stuff. He's you know one of the most I was trying to compile uh, a video when I when I put that first on Facebook and YouTube of some of the most American figures um in my mind's eye I could put together so uh he had to be at the top of the list.
3: Oh, well, you threw Hank Williams, and I like that because very few people know who Bo pieces is, but I can't even say it. <laughs> Bo pieces, yeah, his daddy named him that
5: uh, little nickname <laughs> that he had growing up. Oh
3: man, But, you know, you, you call it like it is, and a lot of record labels and producers will tell you what you can and cannot write and what type of style you can and cannot do. But the beauty of you is you're independent, and you don't care what someone thinks.
5: I don't, and you know, um, I, it's I don't. If you knew me, uh, you knew how laid back of a guy I really am. I don't sit around and give too much thought or, you know, on a day's basis. I certainly don't rant and rave. Um, but once I started having kids, I started thinking about the uh, the world they're going to grow up in. Uh, there's there's kind of a fight inside that came out, and that song I wrote, I think it was about seven years into uh, Obama, and at that point, I think we were all just You know, trying not to slam our head in a sliding glass door at that point. (laughs) You know, but it was it was nauseating to uh, just see one thing after another um, that was going against the way I was raised and uh, everybody that I had talked to and been around all kind of felt the same way. Um, But yeah, it is the beauty of being independent. You get to say and do what you want. Um, My songs don't have to go through a committee like all the big labels do, and when that song was released, it was October 6, 2016, in the middle of Hurricane Matthew down here in Florida, and it debuted at number one on iTunes um, with no label, no booking agency, no PR firm. I mean, nothing. Literally, just the fans. And so, to have a number one as an independent is uh, that's rare territory. And we were we were just going crazy, and uh, it just kind of it validated the way I felt. And, uh, and a lot of people felt the same way, too.
3: It's funny because my husband and I, uh, we have six cats. When, so when we got the evacuation order for Matthew, we stayed. But we had a generator, and we were able to run the freezer, both refrigerators, get the TV up mm. and running and everything. Uh, and, man, I went out towards St. Helena, and I heard Hilton Head got hit really bad. Uh, we didn't get a lot. We, we hunkered down. Yeah, it did hit us. Uh I've never run through rode through a hurricane before, and good lord, what a Matthew! And we're still cleaning up from it, honestly. And it was only just about six months ago they finally got some of the boats out of the Buford River here. Uh, oh yeah, that was one hell of a baby.
5: <laughs> it, yeah, I imagine so. But, you know, I imagine so. So, yeah, it was it was just uh, it was amazing to see the way that whole thing turned out.
3: Yeah, you know. It, I, I I was speaking to uh, Beth earlier today, and how I got turned on to you. I had an interview with a movie producer out of England, and he was on the show, and he does a lot of pro-American films. Uh, his name is Mark Sutherland, and he sent me the link to your music. And what he sent me is the next one I want to play up, uh, which is what also Beth sent me is Red Like Reagan. Um, yeah. Look, are we seeing a rape esque type of presidency with Trump, or is Trump just something all of a completely different animal?
5: Oh, he's he's always been his own animal, and uh, I think that's what everybody's so fascinated with is the unpredictability of, of who he is. And uh, I think if you're expecting something consistent, uh, the only consistency I think we're all going to be able to expect is the unpredictability.
3: <laughs> well, he's up in uh, Canada right now with the uh, Seven Summits, so we'll see what happens. Well, let me get this one queued up, and we're going to do Red Like Reagan. Let me get my mixer board here, and let's go. I can
0: read your mind. We ain't about to get long and I know why. You think we owe you when we don't. Yeah, there's a welfare line wrapping round Main Street. That money ought to help our boys coming back from overseas. We're going to paint that country red. Some heavy words And I'm just wondering How the hell you get off work Cause I got 65 long hours That I just put in last week Now I gotta go back home Hear you whining on TV We're about to say This country Red like Reagan, gonna shoot our guns and eat that bacon. There's a great big bald eagle who's smiling on us, and soldiers who died for your privilege to fuss and
1: fumble. You can't take it no more. And I'll show you the damn door. I'll
0: show you the damn. Door.
3: I can see your country boot kicking that person right out the dang door. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, buddy.
3: But Red Like, I was going to say, Red Like Reagan is the title song of not your latest album, but the previous one. That was album, what, four? Was that five?
5: That was, um, that came out, let's see, that was uh, June of 2017. So last year, last summer.
3: Curtis, you had a question going on to
2: Buddy, um I love your music. I love Appreciate up, that, thank you. Know, you. <laughs> I love uptempo um songs and you can dance to it or you can do exercises to it. My question is, <laughs> um <laughs> what what comes first for you, the lyrics or the music?
5: Always the lyrics. Um I used to write stuff with a guitar or piano or whatnot and it's uh it just was way too much um I, I don't know, I think it kind of limits yourself. So what I try to do is get an idea or a bunch of lyrics together and have a main point and then come in later on and and just kind of let the music uh, form around it. And that kind of helps you color outside the box a little bit and uh, take the music to a place where you probably wouldn't have if you'd have just tried to put it to music to begin with. So I, I find I can be a lot more creative if I bring the music in last.
2: Well, you do a great do
3: you, job. You, do you do co- collaborate with other people when you do this?
5: I never do, and that's um, that's another reason why I'm kind of an outcast in Nashville. You know, when you're uh, what, you got to grease all the right palms to, to to kind of play their game, and I never have. It's um, kind of a situation where we do everything in house, and I write on my. Music, but when you're doing this independently too you wanna you wanna make sure all the the royalties are coming back to you and if you're collaborating with five and six writers all the time um you can see how uh percentages would would disappear pretty pretty quick off the table
3: when you go into studio then to record do you have a group that goes with you or do you lay out the tracks down all by yourself and then put them together?
5: No we go up there and we we hire some of the best musicians in the world uh I've got Tim McGraw's guitar player that uh, plays with me each time, and uh, Lady uh Bob, pianist and, you know, organs, all that kind of stuff, Garth Brooks' old steel player, uh, just some incredible talent uh, that that we can basically just sit down in a room for 15 hours. It kind of feels like you're taking the SATs or something, and you're locked <laughs> in that dungeon and you're not coming out until it's done, but it's a really arduous process, but when it's done, it's uh, – it's, really amazing to see it
3: kind of come to life. Oh, man. People can find your music on your website, BuddyBrownCountry.com, but you're also up on Spotify and several other places that people can catch your music, right?
5: Oh, sure. Spotify, um, Apple Music, Amazon, iTunes, Google Play. It's its probably 20 stores altogether. I don't even know half the stores anymore, but the main ones are usually um, iTunes and Amazon and Spotify.
3: Now, growing up, did you always want to be a musician, or did you really have psycholo- psychology as your primary goal?
5: I wanted to be. Well, I could care less about psychology. That was just kind of a way to play football through uh through uh, college, I went on a I had a bunch of football scholarships coming out of uh, high school as a punter, and I ended up playing for Mississippi State University. Um, I loved baseball and football my entire life, and it was all athletics. But uh, drive around in the truck, I thought, well, I could I could sing like these guys. I mean, why not give that a shot? And it's uh, I got married to my wife in uh, 2006. We just celebrated 12 years together. And it was interesting with her because I never I never married her and told her, hey, I want to pursue a, a very public life and be a famous country singer. I wanted, I told her I was just going to get a regular job like anybody else. But it was one of those things I just couldn't kick. And music is it's just in you. And when it's in you, you you're not going to be able to shake it. And I, I couldn't shake it. So about 2009, I released a video on YouTube, didn't check it for two or three months, and uh, when I did check it a few months later, it had 350,000 views on it, and we were all just completely blown away. So naturally I recorded video number two and three and four and um, you know, probably hundreds after that. And between Facebook and YouTube now, I think we've accumulated 55 million views uh, through all of this. So it's just been
3: incredible. Wow. Wow. Who would have thunk that, you know, a little boy from Mississippi one day would be a country star?
5: <laughs> I, certainly not me. Like I said, I was never, sports was the dream. But, uh, you know, thank God he kind of gave me the uh, ability to speak my mind and relate to other people. And I really try to just care about every single person that, you know, joins on and becomes a fan and follows me and I think if you, uh, somebody told me something really smart a long time ago and was very wise and they said if you take care of your fans, they'll take care of your family. So i try to do that every step of the way.
3: Now, do you get flack from others that don't like your music? Do you have, have anyone ever called you with a threat or gave you uh, anything to fear?
5: No, I don't have anything to fear, but uh, you're going to always have people to that disagree with you. Certainly, this is, American and there's every viewpoint in the world here, so you certainly come across people who adamantly disagree with you, but that is what it is. I'm just trying to accumulate as many people as I can that, uh, that see things like I do, and uh, I'll kind of be a family, but I'm certainly not out to offend anybody or cause anybody any grief. I think life's too short for that, but uh, you know, I just hope that everybody will respect the fact that I get to speak my mind. And it's a free country, and I give them the same uh, affordability. So sometimes it's uh, not always pretty, but mostly everybody's very kind and uh, and uh, only has good things to say.
3: Because yeah, I've had musicians on, and I would have their agents say, don't talk politics. Well, this is a political show, and you want me to have your your person on my show. We talk politics. So it's always yeah. refreshing to find someone like, like that. And that leads me to the next song that I wanted to play, and that is If this country still had balls, oh good Lord, I'd love to Oh yeah, song.
5: put your seatbelt I'd on.
3: Say <laughs> All right, let me cook this on this. Strange,
0: Strange man walks in holding his gun He kill somebody and he's on the run. Out the door and into the busy street. Cops chasing around town for an hour or two Go back home, he's on the evening news They tell us it's alright, we got him in custody Thank you more. to you.
2: our republican leadership had balls (laughs) oh lord yeah
5: i know it's uh I, i wrote that back in 2014 before all this these these awful school shootings and started popping up all over the country and i think i was watching the news one night when uh just something heinous had taken place i don't even remember what it was at the time but it just got me so mad and uh now to see just the rampages going going on and we're we're coddling these people we're putting their faces on the newspaper and the news and uh everybody knows their name and we're giving them all this airtime and of course they get convicted and they get a life sentence so our tax money gets to pay for their the next 60 years of their lives and I'm sitting here thinking why are we not putting these guys in a you know in a public square on national television and you know just giving them a good old Texas necktie and teaching kids, hey, you don't grow up to be murderers, or this is what's going to happen to you. I just, I think we've gotten way too soft, and that was, uh, that's a song a lot of people think is is pretty heavy, but I think it's necessary.
3: Well, the saying goes, the answer to a a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. And I believe uh, so. good lord, good lord, the fact you even said the word gun, people get offended. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely amazing well, you know Annie you can say I'm, the
5: sky is blue and I think 12 or 13 people might be offended by that as well
3: <laughs> Well you're getting some well, fans uh, Up in the chat room I was going to say You're getting just, some fans up in the chat room One of the uh, people in the chat room is called Ornery Old Fart <laughs> He's definitely going to be <laughs> checking out Your music, your website Because he, he said he loves it Go ahead Curtis I
2: was just going to say um, If a kid just Take his hand and point it and shape it like a, a pistol. That's almost like near expulsion.
5: It is. I've heard. I've heard of those, those kind of situations. And uh, what it was it? The kid with the baloney sandwich. He he bit the baloney sandwich in the shape of a gun, and he got expelled. Or some ridiculous story a couple of years ago.
2: It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy.
5: yeah it's, it's political correctness, and that that that's pretty much where I was coming from when when I wrote that. Is uh, we're just being so nice and sensitive to everybody when. You know, we all have different personalities, and you don't deal with all people the same way. Um, it's just it's it's crazy to me.
3: Well, they're, they're taking away the, our youth, and they're taking away our youth being able to grow up uh, as mature individuals. You know, you no longer have boys being boys now. The Boy Scouts have girls in it now. Thankfully, the Girl Scouts just put the foot down and says, "No, we're not letting boys in. We're going to stay Girl Scouts. Uh, we're not all letting right. our kids grow up." into their their own being you have to worry about being gender fluid excuse me i'm sorry at the end of the day you're dead and buried 100 years from now you do a dna test you were born a boy you're still a boy you're born a girl you're still a girl no matter how many hormones and and surgeries you have it doesn't change your dna so let kids be kids
5: exactly exactly you know the bible says god made a male and female so that's that's good enough for me
3: that it is with that it brings me into your next song that I want to play Uh, this one I'm going to tell it listeners guys you got to go to his website which is buddybrowncountry.com and play this video go on to his YouTube page and look at the video I'm going to play the audio part but if you look at the video it says everything about Buddy Brown which is why I fell in love with you so I'm going to be playing man part let me get the keyboard up that's a little bit too high here we go And let me click on this This is what happens when you have a one person studio running Here we go
5: Hey y'all as I was writing this song Somebody actually sent me a list Of ways that you can lose your man card And as I'm reading these man I'm just like Seriously like Guys I actually do this stuff Let me read you some of this and we'll get into the song Uh,
0: Taking photos of yourself In the mirror Waxing your eyebrows Good God Agreeing to match your outfit with your woman no, I'll never do that. Well, Cody got engaged. Hell ain't that sweet. Now we ain't seen him in three damn weeks. Ain't no excuse. Cause the game's tonight. So I called him up, but it didn't sound right. I said, we gonna smoke some pricey cigars. And I found that beer from that Alabama bar. And I got it cold and the burgers are hot. Better come on soon for the food's all gone. He said, y'all just go ahead. Watch that game. Cause oh, she wants to watch a Hallmark movie at eight. I'll tell you, I'm gonna need that man card handed over. Boys, we've got us a real funny joker. You've seen her every day this month. Now you're saying your boys can't get just one. She got your ropes saddles, and yelled at you. You don't wanna hear it, but man. No oh, she feels good laying in your arms. But if we don't get your ass here now, I'm gonna take that man car. Not knowing how to change your tires, we're gonna
5: take Rolling that up
0: the bottom two inches of your blue jeans. Ha 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 we're riding the gun show that next week. When Billy saw a gun that he couldn't believe. When Chester stopped, looked friend new. Told him looks like our shopping is through. He put it back down and said, Yeah right. I don't know how I did it past the wife. I said you must be kidding, but he ain't. You saying you can't spend the money that you made? I'm gonna take that man card, hand it over. Boy, we got us a real funny joker. The Lord gave you balls, didn't he son? What that car and get you a gun you Got you rope, saddled, and held it too You don't want to hear it, but man, it's the truth That's 30-30, ain't gonna do no harm If you don't buy the gun right now I'm gonna take that man car I'm gonna take that man car Both ways, hell, that's just wrong. gonna need that man car handed over. Boys, we got us a real funny joker. You seen her every day this month. Now you're saying you boys can't get just one. She got your ropes, saddle and get it too. You don't wanna hear it, the man is the truth. I know she feels good laying in your arms. If you don't get your ass here now Gonna take that man car Using pet names in public Saying we've already had enough barbecue this week Saying I saw it on Pinterest Not being able to throw a football more than 30 yards And knowing all the words to call me maybe What the hell is call me maybe?
3: Just what is Call Me, maybe? Someone tell me that. It's, is it's it,
5: Yeah, Somebody attached a link after I said that. I guess it's a cheerleader pop song or something like that. I would guess all the 15-year-old girls would probably know it and love it. So, obviously, that would be grounds <laughs> for uh, losing the man card for sure. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's funny because uh, uh, my husband, when he met me, he couldn't believe because I loved NASCAR and I knew football. Uh, I loved football because I'm a Green Bay Packer fan. How a girl from New York becomes a Green Bay Packer fan is another long story. <laughs> but <laughs> it, it, people people don't realize that when you enter into a relationship, you know, you've got to accept the person for who they are. You don't try to change them. And I think that that's the point of your song. You know, don't try to change me. Don't wussify yourself. Uh, it's like our friend, uh Doug Giles, uh, he's with the Clash Daily. He wrote the book, Pussification. <laughs> my husband was in the hospital, and I had gotten the book from him to review, to bring him on the show, and I left it in the room for my husband to read. Do you know the staff at the hospital was cracking up over that book? But this is what it is. You're saying it. Hey, man up.
5: <laughs> yeah, it is, and uh, especially in this day and age. I mean, I, I got a bunch of buddies that um, even we are supposed to go camping tonight, and three or four of them you know, wouldn't go. And so I'm, I'm giving them a bunch of flack for it right now. Uh, I'm really blessed to have a tremendous wife if she just lets me be who I am. And, you know, if that comes off hyper-masculine sometimes, that is what, you know, that's fine because i let her be who she is and everything works. So it, it should go both ways, though, because I <laughs> talk to a lot of men these days uh, where you, you just, it goes one way. And, That baffles the heck out of me. I don't understand how anybody could be in a marriage like that, but that's their business, I guess.
3: (laughs) (laughs) No, it is true. You know, I'm I'm blessed to be married to my husband now, 25 years. uh, Last month, Um, and if he wants to do something, he wanted to become a printer, I helped him build the print shop uh, and worked side-by-side with him. If he wanted to become a locksmith, I helped him get the license for that. If he wanted to be a home inspector, I helped him get the license for that. And I worked side-by-side with him. You've got to work as a partnership. You can't be all one side and not the other.
5: You got it. You got it.
3: Mm. Well, that said, um, talking about... Not letting people be who they are. You've got another one here that I want to bring up. If I can find it on the list here. Uh, Okay, here it is. I got it. I got it. The one I'm thinking of is a different set of rules is what I wanted to play up next. Um, What was your point on this one?
5: Uh, There's a bunch of folks. You know, Florida is an interesting state. That's where I live down here in Orlando, um, which is –
3: We call it it southern New York.
5: It is. Uh, yeah, once you're <laughs> once you're south of Gainesville, you're back in Michigan or New York or yeah, one of the. But there's a pocket, there's a bunch of pockets of Southerners down here, and uh, it's very interesting because you can go from extremely blue to extremely red. There's really no median, um, and everyone down here seems to hate each other, and so that it's just a very volatile political climate uh, that I've discovered being down here in Central Florida um it's you're- it's it's so black or white, and you're everybody's enemy if you are on the other side. it seems uh people have a hard time getting along down here. but the group of uh friends that I've run with for about ten years now, we kind of go on the outskirts of town um and one of my buddies, his uncle is like a fifth generation Floridian they own probably a thousand acres which if you if you think about a thousand acres in central florida it's it's pretty much unheard of. Uh, and we go out there, and we literally have more fun than should be ever legally allowed. It's it's incredible. And when we drive back into town at the end of all of our fun, you know, nights and four wheeling and shooting guns and, and just huge bonfires, and we drive back into the city of Orlando, it's very, very. Uh, it's just a mind trip uh, that we're that close, but that far out. And so it was just kind of a state of mind just highlighting the people we are and the things we do we got a different set of rules um out here and uh it's kind of a anthem to everybody who lives like we do
3: <laughs> well let's play a different set of rules and here we go
1: All right.
0: Gunshots from way across the pasture. Some girls might run, but this one broke out and laughed. Come out here and crack down on us, but I settled it. The bottle of Jack I left inside his mailbox with a note that said I'll keep it coming every single week. Funny, he's been out here now two years, I believe. He don't ever turn on that Nashville radio. If you hear music, it's going to sound like David Island Coates. Oh, Billy tears that banjo up just sitting on his stump. You love the Lord, we love our kids, and we all voted Trump. In the city, everybody runs from God's shop. But out here, it just singles where the party starts. We're shooting pigeons with the Northwell swell gate. This is in the woods if you want to miss me.
3: Man, I love that. Buddy. <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> hey, Buddy. Go do Curtis.
5: You, yes, sir.
2: Do you get the opportunity to travel and do concerts?
5: We do. Uh, I That's always been kind of an interesting part of getting to do uh, what I do is you get to see so many states. But, uh, yeah, we just made a run out to Texas and uh, Pensacola. I think I'll be up in Ohio um this fall, and uh, I'll be up in Maine in August. So, yeah, just just being able to touch uh, kind of the ones that make sense. I'm not a not a guy that wants to be on the road 200 days a year. I've got first and second grader, and I like to be uh, able to tell them uh, bedtime stories at night and not be the phone call dad. Cause so I've done that, and it, it kind of sucks. So uh, I do I do tour you know a handful of dates a year, but I try to keep it pretty low.
3: Yeah, you did uh, Talladega with NASCAR, didn't you?
5: Oh yeah, I've been there twice. It was pretty incredible.
3: Oh man, gotta see if we can get you back out in NASCAR because I want to see that. <laughs> oh man, you and got Talladega it, you got is it. one hell of a track. <laughs> uh, I live not too far from Darlington. Oh boy, is that fun to watch a race there? I uh, bet. But no, right, yeah, I was my...
5: really into NASCAR until I went and down there in Talladega, they got us in the infield and just see the cars go by you and it shakes your insides it's so loud. So that was a pretty incredible experience. There was uh there's about twenty thousand people that showed up for the concert that night. So it was a little bitty show, but uh <laughs> it was we made it through.
3: And NASCAR fans are some some great people, some really great people. Now I'm glad to see that you're able to do stuff like that. I had a question in mind now, Curtis, you made me forget what I was going to ask now. <laughs> oh yeah I know what it is oh, uh, back. you have a new album you have a new album that just came out in February correct
5: March 30th yeah just a couple months ago
3: And what's on the album there
5: the album's called Just Saying and it's basically just all the stuff that uh, when you're sitting with your buddies in a private conversation in a bonfire in a truck or just riding around uh, with some friends in good company it's, it's all the stuff where you're just you're just saying, uh it doesn't have to have a big audience, but um you're you're saying things that maybe are a little bit more unfiltered than usual and so I basically i, I got the idea for this song I started writing uh on a piece of paper just all the things <laughs> that that I just ramble off on on a day's basis uh which you'll hear in the song um and I just put it out there as public as it can possibly be. Obviously now it's got a couple million views um just in a few months here um on Facebook and just tens of thousands of shares. So it, a lot, it I I seem to uh I seem to be able to hit that that niche market with uh saying things that uh can't be said on the radio. Matter of fact, if I write a song and I know it can't be put on the radio, that just gets me excited to be uh To be recording it, I don't ever try to be radio friendly, so it's it's uh it's kind of an exciting thing when you can look at your friends and look at everybody and say, man, they would never play this. Let's do it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we have to get a politically incorrect radio uh, uh, station going so we can have people like you and me out there just saying. (laughs) Sounds good to me. (laughs) <laughs> so anyone out there listening that wants to start up a whole radio show, radio station, <laughs> give me a call. Give Buddy a call. So I've got it keyed up just saying, let's get this. Oh, Let me get my mixer board open so you can hear the song. Here we go. Oops. I don't trust no one that
0: don't like. Since high school we ain't gonna talk I need three or four good friends and that's about all i
1: just say I
0: don't count the favors that I've done If you finish my truck you can have it one. And when you bring it back you better be gassed up i just say Can't wait to blow it. So I stay in the country with my and my boots, Way out of the range of him gone. Don't go looking for no fight. Always try to do what's right. If I shake your hand, you know I ain't playing. Yeah, but I'm taking it in. And I'm just ready. troops, you should get your ass kicked. With my ball cap and my boots, way out of the missile range of Kim Jong Un. Don't go looking for no fight. Always try to do what's right. If I shake your hand, you know I ain't playing. Everybody's making it these days, and I'm just
3: Or as we say in the South, bless his heart. Just saying. <laughs>
5: yeah, yeah, bless his heart. That's right.
3: We had a friend of ours, uh, Margaret, uh, when we were living up in New York and she was a Georgia girl, and I finally understood what she was doing. Whenever she started to say bless her heart, I would just look at her and wait for the shoe to drop. <laughs> just saying.
5: Yeah. They have a way. Not of- exactly <laughs> <up on that. laughs>
3: I had a way of just cursing me out without you realizing it and you'd say thank you ma'am just saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man now um with this this album um uh, when you were when you were putting this together you know besides this one song what else was going through your mind when you were putting this whole new album together
5: i just think uh, at this point i've kind of I've set myself up with my fans to, uh, they they expect a certain, they expect a certain thing when they're buying an album of mine, and I want to make sure I give it to them, and so uh, we really combed over the topic matter um, for eight or nine months in, in the process of uh, putting everything together, and I never just want to put a, you know, what I think a good song would be on there. A good song is a good song, but uh, I just feel like you're wasting time if you're not saying something, so... With each song that I do, uh, I either like to tell a story or either like to throw some punches, and I'm really not having fun until I do one of those things. So my uh, m- you know, my agenda was just to kind of stay consistent with that because that's what I'm known for, and I think that's what everybody's come to expect at this point.
3: How long did it take you to put this last album together? Because you said it took you, what, about nine months to just compile the material?
5: About nine months, yeah. It was it was seven songs, and we had released Red Like Reagan back in June. And so, um, I try to I try to get another album. Uh, yeah, they call them EPs. They're called extended plays, six or seven songs. Um, uh, you know, these songs happen over nine months, and I don't like waiting for you know ten albums and or ten ten songs uh, to make an album. If if the songs are ready, they're ready, and it doesn't really affect anything uh on my end to release them earlier or, l- or later so I just kind of like to get them out and uh if you can kind of stay current with your fans and keep uh keep giving them new material each each year then uh you stay in front of them and it stays entertaining so uh and i'm just I'm so a d d as well that um i just i like to move fast I don't like waiting on anybody or anything
3: <laughs> well do you actually take them out there and just test them on the market on your YouTube page or something like that uh, to see what hits and what doesn't, and then decide to put the album together or how do you do it? I
5: used to, I used to back in the YouTube days when I was starting out that way, I would. Um, but at this point I've, I've kind of got the luxury of, of hitting the song with, with everybody brand new and, uh, and creating the maximum amount of you know, anticipation. I do have uh, some really close friends that will go out on, on a night and, and, uh, we'll just go and spend the night in the woods and I'd bring my guitar and I say, Hey, at some point, you know, I'd like to play four or five songs for y'all and and uh you can always tell right off the bat by the looks on their faces if it's gonna be a a hit or not and these four or five guys is kinda what I what I base my entire fan base off of. Uh you know I think on my Facebook page we've got about four hundred and ten thousand followers now which is really hard to comprehend. You know, I was i I dreamed of having maybe twenty thousand <laughs> here we are at four hundred thousand, so uh the kind of guys I hang around are are just like these people from all over the country and um all over the world so if if it resonates with them, it's probably gonna resonate with everybody else and and uh you know gotta play it one more time for my wife to make sure uh she likes it as well and it, it's it's kind of that's kind of my review panel if you will
3: who brings the beer?
5: Well, everybody's got to bring their own beer. I'm not going to buy everybody else's beer for them. Now. <laughs> <laughs>
3: now, the videos that you do, who puts them together? Do you do this all you're on your own, or do you have a crew that works with you, or what?
5: I, I'm so OCD. I put everyone together by myself. Um, and it's just my my wife has a marketing background, communications, and all that. So it's a huge blessing to be able to have have her on my team. Just tell me. Uh, what works and what doesn't work. She taught me how to edit. She taught me how to do everything with these videos. And so I uh, I just like the control over it, and I I make all of them. usually takes me uh, a couple of weeks to make one, but uh, they've turned out really, really well. And most of them are lyric videos because I just find there's so much more interaction if you can kind of hit all the senses. You're already listening to the song, but if, if you can visually um, – hit that sense as well where they're reading the words on a page it's uh it's just gripping i love lyric videos as well um because it it just tells more of the story and um helps you really get a a better feel for the song so those have worked really well for us and they get so many shares that um matter of fact when the guy you were talking about had shared um red like reagan that that one week i think it that, that video had over a million views on it just because when it, when it hits a a big surge like that, there's no stopping it. So that was kind of the situation there as well, as well.
3: Well, what amazed me is that, you know, someone in England was a fan of yours. I said, wow, you know, you don't think of country music being shared worldwide. You think just the United States, a bunch of rednecks, you don't think that, you know, people in other countries may be enjoying it too. And I was pleasantly surprised when he did send it to me. Um, yeah, it was great um, I was going to leave Oh yeah, I know what I was going to say next uh, I know I told Beth that we start off each show With a dedication to a fallen hero And you have done some of the songs To say stand up And recognize the, those that serve um, Are you going to do one for Law enforcement, first responders?
5: I thought about that It's um, That's something that takes a while And you got to take it really seriously But it's also, those kind of songs are really challenging for me because most of the stuff I write is uh, is based off of situations that I've either been in or understand fully, and a lot of stuff like that, even I'm very careful with the songs about the military, Um, it's very easy to say you support the troops or um, we all need to back our troops, but... It's uh, it's another thing to kind of talk about the issues, survive, you know, surrounding something like law enforcement, if you're not fully fully educated on, um, you know, what that what that is, and so I'm very careful about that. But I did have so many fans writing to me from Afghanistan, um, Iraq, just all all over the world, telling me about what their situations uh, were like, and so through a few years and through some of their messages, I began to kind of get a better understanding of what they're going through uh, as much as a civilian can understand and try to you know, develop an empathy at that point for uh, the struggles that they have. So I love bringing light to that. And as far as the other things, like I said, it just it just takes time, and you want to make sure that you really know what you're talking about so you don't look foolish.
3: Well, then I'm going to put a call out there on air to all of my fellow brothers and sisters that are walked, Thin blue line to get their stories to you to write to you and let you know what it is for those of us that stand on that thin blue line. Um, is that a great idea? Let them do the same thing that your your buddies in the military have done. You know, send the stories in to help you give the inspiration to to help these men and women that protect and serve every day. I thank you for the hard work you do, but I want to close off because I'm looking down the clock. The show's almost over, and I wanted to play just this one. Uh, last song before we go off the air and this is your song called Stop When You See a Uniform and you had me in tears last night when I watched this one so I want to thank you for all the stuff you do Buddy and good luck on the music career. People will find you at BuddyBrownCountry.com
5: Means a lot Annie. God bless you
3: God bless buddy And we're going to Close off with Buddy's song Stop when you see a song Zach
5: Washington Airman First Class United States
0: Air Force Stop right there When you see Those boots And a uniform Coming your way It all pad and drop that'll The plan, making sure you're free. Stop when you see a uniform. Coming home from a whole nother world That we know nothing about So the least we can give them a the standing ovation It's time to hear us shout These are the men and women That keep us living Safe inside our home And if you took one minute Your head would be spinning To see the things that they know So stop what you're doing Tell him how much it means. Every night you drift off to sleep. They're all across the planet, making sure you're free. Stop when you see a uniform. All the men and women that keep us living safe inside our home? And if you took one minute, your head would be spinning to see the things that they know Stop what you're doing, walk up to him And tell him how much it means
4: that
0: every night you drink Protecting you and me Stop when you see a uniform
3: And that was Buddy Brown Check out his website, BuddyBrownCountry.com. I want to thank everyone for listening with us and staying with us. And we'll see you back here on Tuesday, same bad time, same bad station. Until then, Curtis and I say good night and God bless.
2: Have a great weekend. Come back and join us again, Buddy.